Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 1, Chapter 6, The Old Forest, exploring how community is built through song. Shall I sing to you for this episode? Well, I think we determined last episode that you were our sound person. Right. So that seems only appropriate that you would be the one singing throughout the rest. Like, perhaps you could do a little number for us uh, using the lyrics from the chapter. Well, as I have mentioned, I recently went on a hike, and you know, you get trail names when you are hiking, especially on the Appalachian Trail. It's a, it's a history. It's part of the trail. Would you like to know what trail name I was given? I have wanted to know this since you got back from the trip. Yes, please. Please tell us. I am Jukebox. Because you come up with a million songs for everything? (laughs) Yes, because I sang so frequently on the three days that I was hiking with this group that on day two, the 12-year-old in the group went, you have so many songs. You're like a jukebox. And then everyone was like, yep, that's your trail name. Jukebox. Can't stop singing. (laughs) First of all, the fact that a 12-year-old knew what a jukebox was is Mm -hmm. pretty incredible wouldn't have guessed that that would be the the participant to dub you as such but also is incredibly on point i think what really broke her spirit was when we had to go refill water for like the second or third time that day and our guide was like there's a waterfall coming up and of course i went into we'll go Chasing waterfalls, gonna get the water that we need to keep hiking. And I think she just couldn't handle me singing anymore on this hike. Wow. I, there are so many things from this hiking trip that I thought to myself, I could never do this. (laughs) And these songs are really like putting a fine point on like, this is a fully immersive experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot to take in all at once. It was just the six of us for the whole time, and I made sure we always had plenty of music. Hence Jukebox. Hence Jukebox. So I'm excited to talk about songs today. I live and breathe unsolicited tunes narrating what I'm up to. So, But it's not my turn to tell a story. It's yours. So would you like to share a story with us today about building community through song? So when I was maybe in middle school, so around age like 11 or 12, our mom had gotten tickets to the college women's volleyball season and we just had the best time and it was like the it was a great mother-daughter experience because we would get to go and like we'd get to eat out and as like a kid that always felt you know special and important and then we'd go and we'd watch these like really fabulous athletes just do amazing things if you've never seen volleyball up close i totally recommend watching it so We would go and uh, watch the game, and there were all kinds of different interactions that would happen with the crowd, right, to keep you pumped and keep you engaged. 
And then at the end of all of the games, you would sing a song that is, um, it's called Varsity. And so everybody knows the song. They put it up on the big jumbotron with all the lyrics. And so you put your arms around the people next to you and you sway back and forth in time with the music. There's a little bit of harmony that comes along. And it just felt like such a magical space because as a kid, it was a way to like participate in something that I really hadn't experienced before. And as a kid who was pretty anxious, like knowing that the lyrics were going to be up on the screen and we were all going to sing the same song, felt very reassuring. And as we went, it started to become one of my favorite parts of the game experience. So just loved every minute of that. You know, they had like the the mascot was there and at one point the mascot like fed me dip and dots and I just felt so like immersed in this community that ultimately I ended up choosing that university as my my chosen university and where I graduated from. So it just really created a, a magical space through this song signifying that you are a part of the community, we're all a part of the community, we sort of praise this larger entity that we're all a part of. So that, that was kind of what I thought of when I thought about a song that really built community for me. Ellen, do you remember attending any of those games or participating in that? Vividly, yeah, especially the Dippin' Dots. But I do remember going to those volleyball games. And I remember learning the songs and having you and mom teach me, like, this is the song that we sing here. And when they do this, we do this. And then this is the song they sing here. And looking back on it, it reminds me a lot of the community feeling that I imagine one would get in a congregation in knowing the songs there. And that sort of group belonging that comes with knowing what everyone is about to sing. Yes, and it's definitely a point that it's so ingrained in me. I can't hear the songs outside of the context. Granted, you don't hear Varsity just anywhere else. A lot of the other popular songs that they play at football games where I held season tickets for a hot minute or um, that they play in the stadiums to pump people up, like I can't hear those songs now and disentangle them from the experiences of, of really feeling like a part of that community which is just kind of a sappy thing to feel about your university. Um, and it's something that I was not expecting to think about when I thought about song initially, but, but really sticks out in my brain as um, sort of reinforcing sort of community space and community norms. Singing, community, it's all there in that story. So great, great job bringing that for, for us to dissect and, and think about in relation to today's chapter. Well, speaking of today's chapter, then, what, what even happened here? Give us, give us the rundown on the events. We join our heroes as they are leaving the Buckland area and are going to go through the hedge, capital H, into the old forest. And the forest is very menacing, similar to Hogwarts with the stairs moving. We are finding that the path moves and it is not the same every time you go into the forest. And we're not quite sure what's making the path. They very quickly get lost and find that they have gone in the opposite direction than they intended to again. So I would like to enroll our hobbits in some basic navigational skills. Because it seems like a lot of the issues that they have had in the past couple of chapters could be solved with a map and a compass. 
as they are walking through this forest, sleep overcomes them. And then as they have fallen asleep, except for Sam, and then Sam wakes up Frodo, they hear singing, and it's Tom Bombadil. And Tom Bombadil sings to Old Man Willow, who has eaten Merry and Pippin, whacks him with his own branch, and then saves all of the hobbits, and they follow Tom back to his house for dinner and to meet Goldberry. And I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, Anna, Tom Bombadil is really creepy to me. I, uh, I want to have an open mind, but the next two chapters, this one and the next one, always feel like a like a Tim Burton, Coraline, unsettling fever nightmare. And I would like to dig into a little bit why. Yes, because originally, when you see him skipping through the forest as he's presented to us, he seems not benign, but you, to me, he wasn't creepy right away. You just kind of get like, oh, here's this like weird forest hippie skipping along, singing a song, whatever. And then he really engages in this fight, I guess, this altercation between him and this sentient willow. And he becomes increasingly creepier. Like, why do you know what you know about the forest? How many people have you seen eaten? Like, what is, what's the deal with the forest? What's the deal with you? And then it just never gets less creepy the rest of the, the rest of the chapter. So kind of a, kind of an acid trip be feeling chapter for me. Yes, that's totally it. And I think also him referring to himself so frequently in the third person, like if I met somebody, even if they really helped me out of a jam, I don't know. I drop my phone on the subway tracks and this person comes up and is like referring to themselves in the third person and singing about how they're going to hop down there and get my phone. And they do. I will be grateful, but I will also not go with them anywhere. Like, why are you hopping down onto the subway tracks? Why are you referring to yourself in the third person? You seem like uh, someone who cannot accurately judge risk. That's how I feel about Tom Bombadil. Yeah, and then this, like, allusion to, you know, the person that he, like, lives with. That's like, is it a daughter? Is it a partner? Is it a roommate? Who is this other person that's referenced in song and that presumably we're going to meet, right, in the next couple of chapters here? But just, it feels, the whole vibe is very bizarre. And I would agree and encourage our young hobbits to think very critically about who we are accepting like, invitations from, like, granted, get out of the forest and follow the person who's maybe gonna allow you to do that, but perhaps just shoulder on, you know, like, don't worry about being nice and staying with them. It just seems so, so weird and, like you say, just very, very risky. Not, not clear who this Tom Bombadil character is. And we, we do almost meet Goldberry at the end. She is the last voice we hear singing. It says, quote, Then another clear voice, as young and as ancient as spring, like the song of a glad water flowing down into the night, blah, 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 she sings. And refers to herself as the river daughter. So again, like, just say me. <laughs> right. And like, really a river daughter? Right. Uh, is that like a 
Is that like a, an affiliation you have that you are like? Is it a club? Like, is it a club? Do you hold membership? Like, mm. who, what? Just lots of questions. Like the daughters of the American Revolution, like the river daughters are meeting and discussing the management of the forest. And they're coming up with all the songs. Yes. Well, so what I'm what I'm gathering from all of the things that we are saying is that, at least for me, I like songs, I like singing in a group, and I do not like Tom Bombadil. In summation, also same. Right. Well, that doesn't mean we cannot talk about how you build community through song, and we must take a look at this chapter and find some good examples. So... What do you have for us and the listeners today? Well, I had a couple of things. One is that it's not really a song so much, but I just really noticed a lot of sounds in the chapter that are described for us. So I have a couple of examples. The clanging of the gate as they leave Buckland, as they go through Hedge with a capital H. The drip of moisture through the trees the muffled steps of the ponies on the trail, reeds rustling, willow boughs creaking, we hear flies buzzing and water murmuring. So it's just a very interesting, it reminds me of, and kind of a continuance of the conversation we had last time about leaving home, where maybe there's this sort of additional attention paid to these sounds because now you're just outside of your comfort zone and so everything feels so heightened, right? Like your adrenaline's running and so you're noticing all these micro sounds that you usually wouldn't and would kind of fade into the distance. So I thought that was kind of an interesting writing choice. One day I will stop talking about this hiking trip, but it's still too fresh in my mind for that day to be today. But the first night where we overnighted in tents was in an area with heightened bear activity. And we went over before we went to bed, like, what do we do if we hear a bear tonight? We all slept with, like, a trekking pole at hand to make loud noises if we hear a bear. We're going to yell to wake everybody up. And that was a hard night to fall asleep <laughs> because I was really listening for, and I don't know what a bear sounds like, heavy, snuffling, Maybe he's quiet. I don't know. But I was listening for what a bear could be that first evening. Wow. Yeah, I can only imagine, too. Like, hopefully there's no errant other hikers who come stumbling through your hiking thing. And then you're like, it's a bear! And it's just, like, a heavier-footed hiker. Right. With a backpack. Trekking yeah. through. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Crunching sticks underfoot. Mm -hmm. I would have been ready. I had my trekking pole at hand. Wow. Yeah. So, right. That, that feeling of like, there is danger present. Danger is everywhere. And now I must be so attuned to the wilderness sounds. Yeah. It was the noises that you were bringing up that made me think of that moment of new sounds that we will be attuned to. Which became then really interesting, right, as sort of drawing a comparison between this initial set on their journey to then when they when they start to feel sleepy and feel very hot and there's like lots of buzzing and so they wanna they wanna hang out under this willow and they um on my page one thirty one it says Behind them, the great cracks gaped wide to receive them as the tree swayed and creaked. They looked up at the gray and yellow leaves moving softly against the light and singing. 
So then there are a couple of allusions to this sort of setting that they're in, the tree itself, singing and, and making noise, and we don't really hear a lot of other noise in the space. And that doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to have the same worrisome tone as it's written as the original sounds. So I thought that was a very interesting comparison to earlier in the chapter. It, it's like the different moods that you get from different singing or the, the different things that it can signify. Right. Which then I think makes that much more interesting, the introduction of our friend, perhaps, Tom Bombadil, as he comes a-scooting along on the hiking trail here, singing just anything. Like, it's such an interesting description. So he says, quote, He turned round and listened, and soon there could be no doubt. Someone was singing a song, a deep, glad voice was singing carelessly and happily, but it was singing nonsense. Hey doll, merry doll, ring-a-dong dillo, ring-a-dong hop-along, fa-la-la-willow, tom-bomb, jolly tom, tom bombadillo. Like, what? So we've had some very unique moods in this forest. We've had kind of a hushed, tense concept we've had a very like scary but kind of foreboding lullaby and then we've had this yahoo just like skipping along and singing nonsense and it's just been a full it's been a roller coaster of emotion really this forest has been i have such a hard time engaging with his song but i wonder if i were to walk alone in the woods for 300 years would i start singing nonsense to myself I mean, I'm already kind of there. Right. I literally, in my notes, wrote, Tom Bombadil sings a nonsense song as he skips through the murdery forest. That's exactly right. Like, is this person? (laughs) It's just, it cues a sense of either unabashed confidence for this person, or that perhaps their grasp of reality, and again, to your point, of risk, feels tenuous at best. And I don't know which I like less. Yeah, when he sees that they are in crisis and he's worried about them crushing his lilies that he's going to bring back home, that shows, I think, sort of a lack of acceptance to reality. And if we read this generously, Tom Bombadil was created based on a toy that Tolkien's kid owned who had, like, was like a stuffed animal of some sort or a doll that had the big yellow boots. And this was still when he was thinking that this might be more of a book that is a sequel to The Hobbit and have more of a childlike tone. And we can read Tom as like, oh, he is the epitome of youthful carelessness. And he is not interested in this greater power struggle that's happening. He is what we could be if we lived life unfettered by striving for power. I think that would be the generous reading of Tom Bombadil, but I do find him just very unsettling. I would agree that that is a very generous reading of Tom. I just, I mean, even the fact that, like, I'm going to read an exchange, which if it happened in my life, I would find myself absolutely baffled by how to respond. So... Uh, they they meet Tom, right, who tells them his name, and Frodo says, My friends are caught in the willow tree, cried Frodo breathlessly. Master Mary's being squeezed in a crack, cried Sam. What? 
shouted Tom Bombadil, leaping up in the air. Old Man Willow, not worse than that, eh? That can't soon be mended. I know the tune for him. Old Grey Willow Man, I'll freeze his marrow cold if he don't behave himself. I'll sing his roots off. I'll sing a wind up and blow leaf and branch away, Old Man Willow. What? That's just like a bonkers interaction to have in the middle of this old forest. Do you have the audiobook for this? I don't. I should have brought it to play for you because the actor who does the book does an incredible job, but he really makes him seem crazier. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, if you're reading it, maybe you just kind of skim through and you don't sort of soak in all of the weird stuff that he's saying, but when you hear it out loud like that, it's glaringly obvious that this is not a regular interaction and the hobbits love it they love tom they think he's great they're so excited and i just want them to rethink their who they trust fully agree fully agree because then like shortly after this right and my next example is so (laughs) tom sets his lilies down carefully on the grass And then he sees where Mary's feet are sticking out of the crack of this willow tree, just hanging helplessly. And who knows, why is a tree a carnivorous being now? What's happening here? So many questions. So in any event, he sees Mary's feet. And then it says, quote, Tom put his mouth to the crack and began singing into it in a low voice. They could not catch the words, but evidently Mary was aroused. His legs began to kick. Tom sprang away and, breaking off a hanging branch, smote the side of the willow with it. What is this song that you are singing into the crack of a willow? And can, like, the rest of us know what the song is so that if we're trapped now in this willow, we have that tool at our disposal? That feels like a helpful thing to share. I'm trying to imagine what he could possibly be singing, and the first one that came up to me is... I don't want no scrub, scrub, I can't get no love from me. And I don't know why, but I'm going to take that as some sort of divine intervention and imagine that he was singing some, like, top 40 hits into Old Man Willow to, I don't know, gently ask him to release these hobbits. I love this idea because mm-hmm. I'm now imagining all of the songs that would be super ridiculous to sing into a tree crack. That's now eaten a person. And there are just so many that are that are jumping to my mind. I think one of them would be No Diggity by Blackstreet. Mm, that would be a good one. <laughs> no Diggity. Just like quietly in mm-hmm. this tree. Yeah, whisper singing. And Mary's like, ooh, that was a good one. And he kind of starts kicking his feet like, yeah, I like that. And like, what's ha- what, what is the tree going to do with these, these wee little hobbits? Is it... Have there been others eaten to become a part of the tree? Yeah, are there more hobbits in there? And and I think the generous reading of Tom is important because it kind of gives a sense for this, like, childlike wonder of what it feels like to be in a space that is new and how reassuring then something, even if it's not exactly familiar to you, can feel familiar through something disarming like a song. So it, it's something that recalls maybe their travel songs that they sang on their way to Buckland. And so it feels, even though it's nonsense, and even though this person feels, again, tenuously tethered to reality, does kind of have 
maybe a Hobbit-esque air about him and that he's a little bit strange, but also giving up his time and willing to intervene in in this crisis. Yeah, I mean, he is being helpful. It does kind of remind me of Through the Looking Glass or any Alice in Wonderland thing where you are in a space where you don't know what the rules are anymore. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that's what has happened to the Hobbits is they're out of the Shire, they're not in Buckland, and they don't know what the rules are anymore. And Tom Bombadil is the biggest flag letting them know that things are different out here. Right. I just, I, I wonder if there is a way for us to think about, you know, what community building looks like then through nonsense songs or through songs that feel like nonsense to us, right? Do they have meaning elsewhere and how do we understand that in a moment where we're probably not thinking very clearly in the sense that, you know, we're in this moment of crisis, we're responding to these very aggressive external factors. And so we perceive through this lens and like, what does that allow us to know or not know about the person that we're meeting? And how do we think about community building through those experiences? I'm not sure. What are your thoughts about that? I have been in places where English is not the language being sung. And I am watching a community sing a song that I don't understand. And that's sort of what I'm thinking of here. Maybe Hey Come Dairy Dole, Hop Along My Hearties is some sort of language that speaks to the forest and speaks to Old Man Willow. But to the hobbits, it sounds like nonsense because they don't know that language and they're not a part of the community of the trees. Right, because presumably, and what Tom seems to signify is that he does this maybe more than once, right? Like, it's it's not his first time through the forest. He's relatively comfortable navigating this space. So We've learned now who has made all of the paths. I, I think it's, maybe I'm reading it wrong, but it seemed to me like we learned that this path that Mary finds, and they're like, well, we don't know who would have made it down here, but we should follow it. I assume it's Tom and that Tom has made this path that they're now following. Right. I wasn't sure if it was only him or if it was like, partially him maybe other travelers then have kind of navigated it depending on who's coming and going especially now given the state of the world outside of the shire and having said those things let's presume it is tom exclusively so he's clearly navigating this forest well he is comfortable to say the least about where he needs to go, how he needs to be, the dangers that he encounters there. So what is the backstory of this character? And what is this song then? How does it appeal to the forest? And as I'm thinking about this, I'm kind of thinking about the stories that they tell at the beginning of the chapter where they have a lot to say about like the forest sort of causing or there being issues with the forest, right? Like people setting fires and the forest gets mad. And so now the forest isn't really welcoming to visitors. And so is this nonsense song a disarming of the forest? Because all he does is he like comes and he picks his lilies and he's like super chill about it. And then he sings this strange song and the trees are like, that's just Tom. And then he like 
skips along the way, right? And if so, that would probably tie in with this idea of a childlike wonder or not a quest for power really creating a much more harmonious relationship with a space that maybe others are viewing as a, a resource as opposed to a living and breathing organism. I think later we we hear, and I might not be remembering this correctly, but once Frodo, spoiler, gets the ring to the elves and they're discussing about where they can put it, and I think he brings up we should give it to Tom in his lands or Gandalf says something about how Tom has his own lands and like there is a part of Middle Earth that is in his jurisdiction so I do think he's a little bit in charge of the area that he lives in and I don't know I don't think we know or learn ever how that has happened but I wonder if his songs play into that Right, like, is it a formal ownership as yeah. far as he, he, I guess, in the ways that I would conceive of ownership, right? Like, he's exchanged goods or services for the space? Or is it just that because he exists in a relatively harmonious way with the forest that people have just sort of ceded that this land is his because no one else can can live there it kind of reminds me of like the fire swamp from the princess bride the fire swamp yeah or i was thinking of the ents like he's sort of like the guardian of this area him and the river daughter right did you have other examples about today's scene that you wanted to bring up so we don't just bash tom the whole time (laughs) no the only other example that i had was right this the singing uh, when he approaches the house, there's another voice that chimes in, and presumably it's the river daughter, as you note, but we don't really know for sure who it is. And that was the last example that I had. I had one other example that I wanted to bring. Mm-hmm. So earlier in the chapter on page 127 for me, they're walking through the forest. So silent was it that the fall of their ponies' hooves, and you talked about this, the sound of the, the hooves. It says, quote, Frodo tried to sing a song to encourage them. And he does. He, he says he sings a, a, a low song here in a murmur. But it ends with the word fail, and the air seemed heavy and the making of words wearisome, and the song does not do a good job of rallying them. And then Mary says... Quote, they do not like all that about ending and failing. I should not sing anymore at present. And I liked this quote because I think it talks about appropriate times to sing and how singing can change moods. And I admire that he tried to rouse people by singing. I think that's something that I do semi-frequently, but that it, that's not always the right way to arouse the team. Right, and that, again, the the forest really responds to that as well, where it's not only the team, but the the branch that kind of crashes, that finally Mary goes like, I don't think they liked the failing and the ending bit of this song. So if you could just not, that'd be great. Yeah, they prefer the nonsense songs from good old Tom. Right. right. Dairy doll, dum dum dillo. They just need, he just needed something to rhyme with willow. Literally. Like, I mean, the more that I think about this, the more it does seem just like a, um, a child's hopscotch or like jump rope song, you know? Right. Right. Like, does it really make sense? 
especially out of context, you're just like, wait, what are these lyrics? But it rhymes and it has a rhythm to it. And so it's, it's appealing for almost exclusively those reasons. Yeah, I think there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of children's songs like that where when you think about it critically, it's wait one, what does that mean? What did you just sing? But it rhymes, right? That's right, and 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 that's the sole purpose of it. Is it just was like a nice song to like skip your rope to, and that's it. But maybe we shouldn't write those off because it does save them from the trees and allow Tom to pass unscathed through a menacing forest. Hmm, that might be our lesson for today. Don't write off nonsense songs. They all have their time and place. Right. They all have their time and place. And in fact, something that did make a lot more sense to the Hobbits when sung in the wrong time and place really didn't have the same effect. So, you know, be, be mindful about how you use your, use your words and, and what you're trying to do with them, I guess. Well, that seems like a good space to move into our action item as we're thinking about what we want to take away and do in our own lives after reading this chapter. Do you have an action item for us today? Yes. So I was thinking about encouraging folks to invite a friend and go and find some music in your community. Uh, Maybe an open mic night. Maybe you have a community that does events in in nice weather, out on lawns, places, and just really kind of engage in that space. Think about, you know, what kind of community you're building and to really enjoy um, music that you like or maybe music that you've never heard before, but don't write it off as nonsense because it probably has a time and place to it. I love that. One of my favorite things about cities in the summer is outdoor music. And I don't know why music outdoors always feels more special than music indoors, but bringing a friend and experiencing either indoor or outdoor music seems like a great way to strengthen a relationship. Absolutely. Today's podcast was brought to you by Old Gray Willow Man Inn. Sit down and stay a spell. Or forever. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. It kind of reminded me of the last airbender when yes the 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 hippies are singing and they're lost in the the cave of the two lovers secret tunnel through the mountain yes both that and the like witch in the woods who is training yes the bloodbender Yes, 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 yes. So, like, it feels like it went from secret tunnel to bloodbending, like, really quickly <laughs> in this chapter. And I was just like, I don't trust the river daughter because, like, right. maybe she's a bloodbender. Yikes. <laughs>